0: Welcome to the next level show where we talk with people behind next level ideas, products and technology that is changing the world around us. I'm Lubo Smith, the co-founder and CEO of STRV, and my guest today is Martin Sokol, Growth Marketing Manager at Decentraland, the first fully decentralized world. With Martin, we talked about the fashion week that they threw in recently, as well as what the future of metaverse holds. And it was a very insightful conversation. So let's dive in. Uh, all right, let's talk the metaverse and Decentraland. Martin. So uh, happy to have you on the podcast and. Uh, I would definitely like to learn more about what the metaverse is. I have, I have played with the central End a little bit. I've explored other metaverses. There is a lot of hype mm-hmm. built up uh, around the, this word. Uh, there is not, uh, I think it doesn't equal the quality of the products that are out there. It's uh, mostly promises for now. But uh, I'm happy to dive in and learn more. Um, let Let's start with uh, kind of your uh, definition of what uh, what metaverse is and how the Central end, because you are coming from the Central end Foundation and uh, you are in charge of the growth there. Um, how How the Central end uh, plays in the in the metaverse is.
1: Yeah. First of all, thank you very much for having me. It's a it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, yeah, so you already kind of laid out the foundation of, uh, of uh, what. Foundation, uh, of the foundation
0: of the central and foundation? Of
1: the central and foundation, exactly. And uh, so when it comes down to the metaverse, um, to me, we are kind of living in uh, one already, but it's kind of passive. Uh, when how we are actually collecting information and distributing information, how you are talking to people, how you are interacting to people online, how we are interacting to the companies uh, through Google, Facebook, uh, Amazon and others. And to me, uh, when the metaverse um, will be in its uh, right to form, <laughs> let's say, um, it will be much more immersive experience compared to what we have now. So uh, imagine that uh, you will have your avatar, uh, that uh, you will, it will be your Virtual representation of yourself, uh, which you will control, and uh, you will be able to experience all of those thi- all of those things that you are experiencing now through the internet in much more immersive and uh, interactive way, and more human way. So let's uh, give it example on uh, actual learning, like the instrument or uh, something like that. Um, so. You can actually enter the metaverse, and it will, it can be it will be any metaverse you can imagine. Like there won't be probably just decentraland, and uh, you will just enter the the building which uh, says uh, S- School of Fine Arts, let's say, and you can talk to to the people that will be logged in there, and uh, ask around like, "Hey, I actually want to learn guitar. Can anybody help me? Are there any teachers?" And there will be teachers logged in as well in that school, and so there will be distributing. Their, uh, their learnings and uh, what they know and they will be teaching others. So that's just one interpretation of uh, what will be possible in the future. And of course, it will be w- maybe in the 3D, uh, maybe it will be eventually in the VR or AR, uh, depends, but eventually you will be able to do it in this immersive way. And uh, on the decentralized way, so Decentraland is the first 3D completely decentralized metaverse that there is out there, and uh, it's completely governed and created by its users, so by the community. Uh, Just explain a little little bit on the foundation of Decentraland, so uh, to understand there is the foundation, there is the world, and there is the DAO. So DAO is uh, essentially the community that governs and manages the the Decentraland and decides about what. Should be happening in the central land. Whether there uh, should be more land coming into the central land, or if there's uh, any other decisions that uh, the people should uh, agree on. And uh, it works rather nice because when uh, when I I like to compare it to the modern politics. So when we are uh, deciding about uh, who we are putting in charge, or and or we are deciding about how to fix the problem, we put people in charge that we hope will fix the problem. And they usually don't. That's how it works uh, today. And in decentralized, when the community or uh, the decision-making is fully decentralized, everybody has the vo- uh, vote- voting power on basically making concession on Uh, on the action that needs to happen. So once uh, DAO decides decides that, hey, this is what's going to happen, it will happen. So there's nothing nothing above it. And the foundation is there to uh, boost the creators, to help them out, to support them, to develop tools for the creators to use. And basically make their life in the central end way easier.
0: So ultimately, the DAO decides and uh, the, the foundation uh, is there to support it? Yes. One thing that uh, pops up in my mind uh, when it comes to decentralized autonomous organizations and uh, uh, that uh, element of things, do you, do you see any, any downsides of uh, giving all the power uh, to the end users? Uh, because, like, we have seen cases where a DAO or governance token was introduced, but suddenly it creates a different dynamic. And uh, um, I feel like you know, it's not that it would be purely positive. I definitely mm-hmm. uh, find this very, very appealing, and uh, in the Web, web three world. I really like the element of uh, the end user contributing on the success, but I feel uh, there could be some downsides as well, and I would love to understand uh, what your take on that is.
1: Yeah, um, definitely. So I think that uh, once you actually put the power to the people, there are certainly some, some issues that can come out of that. because let's say that uh, the more people have the power to vote and decide about things, uh, the more different opinions you have, right? So eventually uh, there will be some majority that will outvote the others. And uh, when it's completely decentralized, you're kind uh, of you're, you're giving the trust to the whole community of the people. And if there is the majority, that uh, you might think should 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 not be the majority that decides, that might uh, create this uh, this thinking that hey, this actually isn't that great. There, it would be better if uh, I don't know, like group of people decided about something. So that's one of the one of the issues I think.
0: And uh, do do you feel like because uh, how is it structured in, in in the central end? Anybody who. Uh, owns the uh, token can basically vote, yep. and who can submit the proposals?
1: Uh, anybody from the DAO can submit the proposals. Mm-hmm. So if you think that something should happen, um, you you can submit the proposal yourself. Uh, it's just a matter of how important uh, for to other community members it will be, mm-hmm. and uh, that's uh, that's about it. So for example, uh, we had uh, well, the, there was a proposal to. Um, Basically, introduce whether whether the foundation should introduce more avatar options and variables um, for the creation uh, tr- through the or to the disabled people and with the disabilities. So, for example, like prosthetic arm or or knee and stuff like that, and that had to be decided by the community. And they decided that yes, it would be actually cool to have things like this because some people want to represent themselves as they are. And they want to have this option, and this was decided by the community that yes, uh, there should be something like this in terms of variables that I could uh, actually put on my avatar.
0: What I see a little bit in the crypto space is that like uh, when these uh, governance structures are created, that there's a, there's a decent amount of people that you know are in for the ride. Right. They probably want to huddle for a long time but they are not the ones that wanna participate in the day-to-day voting and and uh, everything. And they kinda uh, leave it up to others because it can be overwhelming, right? And yep. like, how many how many proposals uh, are there on, let's say, a monthly basis? Because in the end, mm-hmm. like, if you wanna decide something, you better understand it, right? So you have to read the proposal, you have to like, uh, figure out what your take on that is. And it all takes time. So yep. uh, I, I feel like uh, there is only certain uh, number of uh, people that are willing to invest that time. And so, some other people are just uh, in for the ride, but uh, like the space can be extremely overwhelming and uh, uh, not everybody is uh, Willing to give it the time?
1: Absolutely. Um, you're right. <laughs> uh, when it comes down to the to the people that, uh, so I would say that there's vast majority of the people that uh, are not really paying attention to to the proposals and really wanting to enjoy decentraland. I would say that the explorer users that do not know yet what decentraland is, and they also like for the, f- f- as as they come to this essential, and they want to visit events, explore the world, and do various things there with their friends. And uh, then there are definitely people who take the time, read through the proposals, and uh, make sure they understand them. They also submit some, some of them, uh, some of their own proposals. And I'm not actually sure how many proposals we have on a monthly basis, but I know that there's been dozens of proposals uh, submitted uh, within a couple of months. And um, it's, uh, I, w- I think it's increasing in the time. I would need to check uh, how many proposals we actually have, but uh, I, last time I checked, it was uh, a lot of pages with a lot of proposals going in. And uh, just to like, maybe give idea, some of the proposals are uh, with the more complex or complicated implementation, like the prosthetic arms, for example, that we discussed. But uh, there are some, propo- some proposals that are referring to, for example, just simply adding some uh, some scene to a point of interest. So uh, there's some proposals that are not uh, especially like um, voted for. Let's say there are some proposals that will just be there unvoted, and that's okay. Like if something is not important to the community, it, people will just skip it. So
0: is there certain people that shape up as as the leaders and? If they promote something, then a lot of people jump on that and mm-hmm. take an action. I have seen, I have seen this uh, in other communities that uh, there is the uh, thought leaders that are oh, yeah. shaping up within within the communities. Is, is, is the same happening for the Central
1: Endo? Uh I'm pretty sure that uh, that is. Uh, that this is happening, it's just that I'm not, uh, I don't know which people would be like the KOLs uh, at you this are point. You are not but
0: fully exposed to that. I, I am
1: not, I'm okay, not. Uh, but I can imagine this happening to extent that uh, even some districts might have their own mayors even in mm-hmm. the future. And uh, like unofficial maybe, like if, if you... If we are th- talking about the metaverse and dissension specifically, you can imagine it this uh, like living city, let's say where people are going and doing different things. and I can actually imagine like some bigger for example landowners or bigger creators being like the, uh, the leaders of the thoughts and uh, like making like the, the world around them with the people in it more um, centralized in decentralized way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh,
0: speaking of the state of uh, the central and today, um, uh, it launched uh, to public in February 2020. Uh, it seems almost like a coincidence with uh, the rise of the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> and my question would be, like, uh, of course, I guess, you know, uh, at, at that time, people were craving any kind of digital Virtual experience. Uh, so it might be a silly question uh, if you feel that uh, the timing helped the Central End to gain traction, and uh, if you could comment on uh, where the user base is today.
1: Yeah, um, I I strongly believe that it um, it helped to the exposure of the Central End. Uh, the fact that uh, COVID happens because when you think about what COVID did was uh, it. Basically, like disabled people from their ordinary lives. You couldn't go out. You couldn't hang out with your friends anymore, as uh, as normal as it was before. And uh, like suddenly, there is this world which you can you can jump in. You can explore with your friends. You can hang out. Um, you can play games. Attend events, parties, and uh, I think that uh, it kind of helped uh, in in a way, of course, that uh, there was this huge lockdown and people stayed at home and they were looking for any social connections they could possibly manage. And uh, right now the user base is uh, around 400k monthly active users in Decentraland.
0: Well, that's, that's a decent number of, of users, right? Yeah, and. Uh, do you, do you see uh the the trend that uh, there's more and more people uh, coming
1: definitely like the there's uh, there's this exposure to the world that uh, it's increasing I would say even on a daily basis in some ways and wow. uh, with with the with the amount of uh, users that are interested in Decentral essential and I think that uh, it will continue in the future and that's also part of my job to make sure that uh, it it continues that- the and trend how,
0: upwards. how does Decentraland compare to the other metaverses and as I mentioned at uh, the beginning <laughs> most of them are in the very early stage yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, announced but not uh, not released but uh, at least to the ones that, uh, that are uh, out there in terms of the uh, number of users, mm-hmm. transactions and so on.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, in terms of the type of the metaverse or what the core, because when we are talking about the metaverses, I really do hope that in the end, everything will be connected and there will be one metaverse and you will have these smaller worlds, but it, you could take your avatar from one world and uh, put, put put the avatar into the another world and it would be essentially, maybe even in different graphics, but uh, for example, varying the same types of variables. So I hope that this will be possible But uh, when it comes down to the uh, audience, I think, for example, Sandbox, let's say, it's a more gamified metaverse than Decentraland currently is. And I think that uh, their users kind of, or the audience kind of expects the games to be made on the Sandbox more, right? While Decentraland, when I think about it, is uh, more event-oriented at this point, so... People come to Decentraland to attend parties, uh, create events, some experiences on the platform, and uh, I hope that uh, in the future Decentraland will be also more gamified and uh, more interactive, uh, with more gameplay depth, let's say, and that will be quite awesome. And for example, when when I there's uh, one interesting thing that when I compared it to, for example, crypto exolls, because I I've heard. Uh, a couple of people compared it to it, and this is just my opinion, uh, Crypto to me is uh, like, go there, showcase your NFTs, that's about it. Uh, Decentraland is the current leader in terms of interactivity, I think, and uh, the world is really more immersive than the other metaverses, to me at least.
0: Uh-huh. So, what are some of the uh, immersive experiences that people can enjoy in in the Central Land? What are the the core types? Because I assume that you probably have it categorized because you are in charge of growth and you need to see what's happening uh, across the board. So, how how, how do you, how do you structure that, and yeah. what what do you feel are are the reasons why uh, people come to the Central Land?
1: Yeah. So. Mm- there's, uh, I would say, types of the events that uh, we categorize are not e- is exactly uh, run in groups in terms of like, okay, so this is a music festival, uh, this is art gallery. Like we know where these things are, but we don't really like categorize them into super detailed categories. But when it comes down to the experiences, uh, there's uh, like there's concerts, there's uh, parties where uh, people really just go and hang out. Uh, there's uh, contests. There are there are games that you can play, and uh, the the point of view of or or that immerse immersive experience is in the in the fact that everything is happening in real life in real time, and uh, you really feel the connection because. Like, let's say that you are in the party or listening to a podcast in Decentraland and uh, you move five steps to the right and suddenly you are in a rave party. You're moving another five steps to the the right and suddenly you're playing a game or another five steps and you're in the casino. So this to me is amazing that uh, something like this is possible and I only see it... uh, really going deeper in the future.
0: And like you are probably at this point one of the very few people that uh, work in the space and is deeply exposed to the space. Uh, how much time out of your day do you actually spend on the platform and does any uh, of the work that you do
1: happen on the platform? I don't know the exact number, but I would say it's a couple of hours a day for sure. Um, th- in terms of work that uh, I do, we're having meetings in Decentraland, in the platform, with uh, with the team, and uh, my team likes to organize uh, the, the meetings in Decentraland because it's just, uh, again, more interactive for us, and uh, it gives us completely different perspective on what uh, could be done and what we should focus on when you actually walk around the world. You're experiencing the stuff as somebody else would and you're thinking like, okay, so how can we improve on this, on that and how can foundation help, right? And uh, that's, I think, one of the ways that also gives you some idea on how to onboard new creators, what is missing in the world and uh, you're just getting this full picture of uh, the essential and as it is when you're logging in. So definitely, we're doing part of the work inside the platform.
0: And so, in a way, it could be perceived that uh, you actually get paid to uh, be in the Central Land, hang out, and look, Of course, it's 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 work, uh, but uh, it's uh, nice that you can leverage the platform to uh, to support that and get the experience uh, firsthand. Uh, what was actually uh, your journey to uh, join? The decentralized foundation and uh, your thinking about how this entire Web three ecosystem is shaping
1: up. Um, so, I I've been gamer my whole life. I've been playing a lot of MMOs as we <laughs> discussed, and uh, I was always uh, kind of drawn into the w- virtual worlds, uh, whatever they were, and. Uh, I've been in the gaming industry for the last six years, mobile gaming specifically, where I've been uh, running the user acquisition and I've been leading the team uh, in my previous company. And uh, last year, when I was uh, checking out crypto again and there was all of these buzzwords like NFTs, Metaverse, and uh, Web3, and like it all started to gain more traction, I was like, okay, so let's let's go into it. And uh, during the summer, I did my research. I uh, really did try the platforms and uh, Decentraland popped up. I was like, okay, so this actually looks cool. And uh, in the winter, I was like, uh, during the Q4, basically, I was like, okay, so I I felt like I wanted wanted to change uh, the, the, the things I do. Yeah. So I uh, contacted Decentraland directly, the foundation. I had a chat. I did an assignment and uh, I hopped on uh, the train in January of this year.
0: Oh, very nice. Very nice. How big is the foundation actually? How many people uh, are there? I
1: think it's around 70-ish people. Okay. Maybe more. Yeah. we're. Uh, the foundation is hiring uh, constantly because uh, there's just so much stuff uh, that, <laughs> that needs to be done. So
0: Yeah. I assume to support the platform yeah. and uh, uh, make sure that it's evolving. Exactly. It uh, takes a lot of people. Uh, so you are in charge of growth. Uh, what what are some of the uh, like uh, things that you are thinking about? How to attract uh, more creators and uh, how to ultimately grow the the, the user base. What mm-hmm. what uh, are the the steps that you are taking with the team?
1: Yeah. So I'm a growth marketing manager in the growth team, and uh, we currently have six people. Uh, with my lead uh, Federico on, on, on the head, uh-huh. uh, as the head and um, my, I would say, daily bread and butter is uh, exploring the options how to actually increase the community through various channels, whether that's uh, some, some paid channels but, or, and uh, finding out the right creators to support the content in the platform that uh, might actually be enjoyed by people. Uh, besides that, I'm also uh, working on organizing another game jam this year. So, uh, game jam is essentially the contest or the initiative to to get in more developers, more uh, passionate people to create the uh, the games to develop experiences. And uh, there's uh, there's the prize pool which comes from DAO, and you can actually you will be able to earn mana USD. Or even land, maybe in the future.
0: That's uh, definitely appealing. And like, what's what's uh, relatively uh, common in in the space is that uh, uh, there is uh, relatively big grants that uh, are being distributed to uh, the most appealing projects. Does uh, the same uh, happen? With uh, the central end, that uh, if you like a project, that you have actually a, a treasury that can that can support support that. I think like indirectly, that's probably what you are doing with the game jam. Uh, but outside of that, uh, do you do you actually have a pool that that can support, or is that something that uh, you're actively
1: doing? Mm, I don't think d- if there's a pool, I don't know about it, so I cannot really tell you more on that. Uh, but maybe there is. Um, so um,
0: yeah. And one of the one of the most recent things uh, that uh, happened in the decentralized was the Metaverse Fashion Week. Oh yeah. Um, and of course, like we are used to watching the regular uh, fashion weeks all over the world. Uh, what was it like to throw an event of such a
1: magnitude with? 60 plus brands in a virtual world. It's kind of surreal, to be honest. Um, when when I joined the company, I r- remember everybody in the foundation has been working on it, like uh, in terms of modeling or uh, supporting the brands, onboarding the brands. And uh, like, You need to, like, when you're creating the event on a new platform, which uh, majority of the brands are exploring, uh, you need to make sure that you are giving them as much support as possible. So all of these brands were onboarded uh, either by the foundation or the foundation actually hooked them up with other partners that uh, we trust or the foundation trusts in order to um, help them out and prepare stuff. So like, for example, Dolce & Gabbana, they knew exactly what they wanted, and uh, the foundation paired them with the UN XD, and uh, they collaborated together, uh, created uh, their own experience as they wanted it, and the foundation essentially uh, helped or supported the the event with the catwalk, with the uh, 3D models, and with the organization of everything. So, uh, it was quite interesting, also with uh, Tommy Hilfiger, for example. So uh, Tommy Hilfiger was paired with uh, Boson Protocol. They collaborated super closely, and they essentially did everything together. And uh, you could uh, essentially buy uh, an NFT within the platform, and then get actual physical copy in real life. So that was pretty cool. And when it comes down to the to the to the organization standpoint, you just need to think about this kind of event as a uh, learning process because it's a completely new platform also for these brands, even though they want to be pioneers in the space and they want to explore everything, right? Uh, you need to make sure that uh, like, you understand that hey, this will be new for all of these brands and they will ask a lot of questions which you need to answer and um, there's been a lot of emails, a lot of Slack messages, a lot of the channels you can, you can imagine and uh, like the content team and partnerships team especially in the foundation did an amazing job supporting this event completely so
0: what well, was talking to, to to the brands like and like I, I assume like it was not easy to convince all of them to do something like this especially uh for the very first time uh how, how did you get uh so many uh brands on board is that uh, a common uh, sentiment that uh, fashion brands want to enter the metaverse mm-hmm. like uh, everybody is like happy to talk about it happy to explore happy to go through the hassle of setting everything up or did you have to do a lot of convincing
1: yeah so um so that this is my thought first so I think that virtual fashion uh, is here to stay and uh, with all the metaverses that are coming out the fashion brands, Understand that I think already um, the fact that uh, like le- <laughs> you you need to explain to to the brand that has decades of uh, of history behind it and millions of followers that hey it would be actually cool if you created like a digital catwalk and with cats with actual cats and uh, like digital garments what do you think about that sounds good you know like th- th- these might sound like crazy idea to some but thankfully uh, most of the brands actually were kind of keen to join because they saw this as an opportunity and uh, be an early adapter essentially right So they wanted to explore the space and they like they were kind of enthusiastic about it. So of course there was some sort of I wouldn't call it convincing but there was definitely an ex- like a lot of explanation and support. Uh, probably the head of uh, the Metaverse Fashion Week, uh, Gigi or uh, Giovanna, could, uh, could talk uh, more about that. But uh, yeah, I, based on what I've seen, the brands were kind of on board and they wanted to explore.
0: Could you uh, talk a little bit about what is the uh, experience of creating a, a, a Metaverse Fashion Week for a particular brand like? What do they need to do? How they, what, what is the process of setting something up? Like you had 60 plus brands, every uh, every brand created their own uh, experience in, in the fashion week. So let's say I'm a fashion brand, like what do I need to do? Because like I can probably uh, like very poorly, but describe what the process would be to do a regular uh, regular catwalk but uh, like I have no clue what the, the process would be like to do this in the virtual world.
1: Yeah, so from my perspective, again, uh, this was completely he- headed out or planned out uh, through the content and partnerships team. So I haven't uh, exactly created the event with uh, the brands together, but based on what I've seen and understood is that uh, every brand needs to have exact schedule of course like a, a lot of things actually come up come out uh, very similar or, or even the same to the physical world like like you need the schedule you need to make sure that uh, you have the teams set up stuff like that just ordinary ordinary things but uh, what's different in terms of uh, the virtual experience is that uh, the wearables especially in the fashion right so uh, you need to if you're a brand uh, and you need support either from the foundation or you basically cannot create the wearables on your own. Uh, maybe you can use uh, some partners like Boson Protocol, for example, or MetaVerse to, to explore what kind of uh, wearables we would like to, to have, if, if I'm a brand. And uh, based on that, move forward with those partners and help me to set up all the technical stuff. So the, the, the point is here that uh, no brand had to do it by themselves. And there's a lot of partners out there, there that uh, the foundation could uh, connect these brands with, or directly help them through our content through the foundation's content team and uh, partnerships team. And
0: was there was there anything that uh, you would hope that uh, happened uh, in in this initial uh, uh, fashion week that uh, you just didn't have a chance to do?
1: So I'm going to be speaking only on. My personal marketing perspective here. So, I would hope for the next fashion week, and I I'm I hope that there will be. <laughs> uh, I think there will. So, I would love to onboard more people to the fashion week, more users to go and see the the fashion week, the digi- the, the digital fashion week, essentially. And uh, what I mean by that is that when you think about the physical fashion week. It happens in multiple places of the world, and uh, like if you're not near those cities like uh, London, New York, Paris, and Milan, uh, it's quite challenging for you to, to actually join, right? And to, to watch it. While the Metaverse exactly allows you to do that, and a lot of people just don't know. You know, so my... what. I haven't been able to do on the scale that I would like, is to onboard as many new users that are not familiar with the metaverse at all, to be actually able to experience such a big event in the metaverse like the Fashion Week is, and maybe that will also will bring their attention to the metaverse as a whole, and they will start exploring it further. So this would be from my marketing experience.
0: And you you mentioned that next Fashion Week might be might be in the works, uh, yeah. very likely. What are some of the next big events that uh, that you have on the roadmap that you can already mention?
1: So uh, there's going to be the Pride, uh, which will happen in June, and uh, also the Art Week, which will happen in July. And there will be also the Game Jam, which uh, ETA is currently non-existent.
0: Well, stay tuned for that. Um, one trend that uh, I have. Seen uh, recently is that companies and brands uh, start hiring for their presence in the virtual world. So uh, they actually take on full-time employees mm-hmm. to build uh, a representation in the in the virtual uh, world. And uh, there's been a, a few openings uh, that that I saw so far. Uh, but you probably are seeing it from the other side. So what what what's happening there and how how the brands are are thinking about that? And uh, is that a, a, a trend that is gonna grow from here? should uh, we think uh, to, I guess, you know, uh, entrepreneurs uh, business owners should we think about our presence in the metaverse as well
1: that's a very good question and I uh, I love that you mentioned it because there's a lot of uh, new position emerging with the metaverse like the chief metaverse officer head of metaverse and other positions in the companies and uh, I think that the whole teams are emerging in those uh, companies that are trying to understand the metaverse and build their presence. And it's good, because that way you have set up a team which specific responsibility is to explore the metaverse, metaverses, let's say. Uh, This way you have people who are specifically focused on that. You know who you are talking to as the foundation, let's say. You know which... Uh, which people should be connected with the content creators from that company and it makes a lot of things easier. When it comes down to the why the company should do that, well, because there are there is this opportunity to be early in the space and uh, it's pretty much free to explore. You, you don't have to, like the only thing you, you don't even have to have a wallet to explore decentralized. You just need to log in as a guest. So to me, the more the companies actually focus on the creation of the internal teams that are specifically meant to work on the metaverse, the better understanding these companies will have about the metaverse, about the NFTs, about the web 3 And uh, I would say even that uh, this will help the company to bring completely different uh, wind into the, uh, not wind, but completely different Perspective on the, on their business that could be done digitally.
0: Just to speak about the perspective of new users onboarding and new uh, like uh, uh, like like new new users coming to the platform. Like we see that uh, today, majority of the world uh, is on mobile, uh, and uh, it's uh, mostly a desktop thing these days. How do you, like, is there uh, some thinking about how to enter uh, people's uh, mobile phones and how to allow them to uh, still experience the central end or metaverse on the go? Uh, is, is there is there something like that? It, do, do people want it? Do you, do you hear that often? Uh, because. To me, that's probably the the major obstacle, at oh, yeah. least at least for myself, because like mobile is uh, the vast majority of my time.
1: Yeah, definitely, and it makes complete sense. I mean, uh, even when you think about think uh, about uh, how the the gaming on mobile is exploding for, for years already, uh, it it just makes sense to build the clients for the mobile. So I think. Uh, well, there is the, pl- the definitely the plan to do that uh, for the foundation. So uh, the community will work on it. Uh, when it will be done, I don't know, but it will. Uh, currently, the foundation released the desktop client in uh, March, and uh, that like that's comp- that's already a completely different experience compared to playing it on the or or exploring the world on your browser or in your browser, because just the performance and also the the graphics is completely somewhere else. So I would say that uh, that's the first step, and the mobile is the next one that uh, the foundation and the community will take for sure.
0: And do you feel like uh, the, the, the widespread of uh, 5G is also uh, playing a role in that? Is a uh, good bandwidth needed for better experience? Uh, in, in the central end uh, from the technical standpoint? Are there any obstacles? Because we, we've seen that like the timing is everything in the past, right? So are we still a little too early uh, for the mass adoption? So the uh, enjoyment from the experience actually um, uh, exceeds the uh, demand uh, of the users and uh, meets with the technological limitations.
1: So I think that we will have to see what kind of performance, uh, once the first mobile version comes out, we'll have to see what kind of performance there will be out of it. But uh, when it comes down to the adoption, I think that uh, it, it in terms of, for example, connectivity, there should not be many problems with it. Um, 5G will definitely help that. Uh, but uh, like, not many people currently uh, are like majority of the people that are outside of... Uh, OK, so this, we, will, we will need to work on, on this part, guys, but <laughs> uh, people have different phones, let's say, uh, in, in this way. And in terms of um, the connectivity, I think that uh, we will have to wait for a couple, maybe even years, to be fully immersive in the, on the mobile phone as well.
0: Got it, got it. Um, what would you personally like to see uh, from the central and in the future? Like if you could guide the direction, let's say you are the DAO. I,
1: oh, god mode. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love to see more gamified experience, but that's that's me because I'm a gamer. You're a gamer, but, yeah, that's uh, right. I, I, would, I would love to see community focusing on the games more and building these experiences because in the end the games are some, some of this magical experience of bringing, bringing the people together as well as nothing I've seen in digital realm. So I really hope that, uh, yeah, more more games please.
0: <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it will happen and games were always uh, the area that helped the innovation to break through. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's, it's also uh, seen in, in the metaverses. Um do you have like speaking of other metaverses like uh, sandbox, NFT worlds and so on, uh, or the other side, uh, do you have any anticipations there what uh,
1: is gonna happen? In terms of the question what is gonna happen with the other metaverses you mean or
0: yeah, how they are how they are evolving and especially mm-hmm. like the other side, right? A lot of people talk about it. Uh, no one knows a whole lot. We are recording this uh, podcast, I think, uh, a day before the land drop uh, uh, of uh, the other side, uh, as long as you know the rumors and uh, and uh, everything, they've been true. Uh, and you are very close to it. So I just uh, wanted to ask for uh, your opinion on how the others are shaping up, especially the other side.
1: So... I can give just a very broad opinion on this one, to be honest. Um, I think every launch, because there will be more metaverses go, like coming out every now and then, I think, because more and more developers or uh, just people realize that, hey, I want to create my own, and they will, right? So it's doable. People already found out. Uh, the thing is that it all depends, not, no matter what or which metaverse will be released and when, I think that uh, it will all depend on the community that will be using the metaverse and will be logging in, and the shape of whether it's the other side or uh, like sandbox, this decentralized crypto vexels, like doesn't matter. Everything is shaped by the community, and uh, you can build the metaverse with the thought that hey, we will be the first metaverse that will have. Uh, flying sharks in it and uh, like, I don't know, sand bubbles, whatever. But eventually the community will say, hey, this is actually not what we want to do and what about this one? What about if uh, we created uh, the racetrack through the metaverse and it will be first car metaverse suddenly, right? And uh, what I'm trying to say is that the communities will decide about the future of any metaverse because it like in order it for, for it to work, uh, it needs to be decentralized. And that really gives the power to the community. That's why I, for example, think that uh, meta, <laughs> the very interesting theme, uh, meta won't be the main metaverse that people will log into for that experience. Got it, got it.
0: Throughout the chat, you mentioned the ability to uh, transfer items and avatars from one metaverse to the other and uh is there is there somebody <clears throat> working on uh making that available basically being like the bridge mm-hmm. between the metaverses because like i think uh in the web 3 world talking about standardization is probably not uh you know uh the 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 preferred approach but uh, what we have seen in the crypto world is that there is bridge, bridges between different chains and uh, there is uh, layer zero now that is kind of uh, omnichain approach. Um, and I feel like the same could actually happen uh, for the metaverses. And I think if you are creating an experience in the central land, uh, you don't want to do double the work and be creating uh, uh, like the same experience in in other metaverses. You probably want to think about it, make it uh, uh, make it flexible, uh, but you also want to uh, be efficient and attract uh, uh, a larger pool of users. So, is is there something like that, or it's an open business opportunity for now?
1: I think it's an open business opportunity for now uh, the thing that I would add to that is that uh, like there if there's nothing at this point there will be because I believe that somebody has we will have to figure it out because exactly like you said like you don't want to have 15 20 50 metaverses that are not connected with with each other because that would just split between the communities, which of course, like it's good to have a choice, but at the same time, exactly, if you're building some experience in one metaverse, maybe you would like it to have in other metaverse as well. And therefore like, why should you buy another land in another metaverse and so on and so on and so on. So that's why I believe that it will be, it's almost a necessity to me to have in the future. Yeah. Connectivity. And
0: if if you if we describe it for in uh, from the web two days right, we have uh, twenty plus relatively popular social media uh, networks. We have uh, many uh, ride sharing uh, applications, and then it's the aggregation, right? You wanna you wanna get a cap, uh, You look at what's what's available in your region, and you go for it, and. Uh, I think that that is kind of a similar uh, approach. Yeah. Um, so, I would like to get to our partner question. We have partnered with uh, Future Party, and it's a it's a great, uh, really wonderful newsletter uh, where tech meets culture. Uh, great uh, daily insights throughout the week, and the Future Party community. Uh, would love to know how you think the growth of the metaverse will challenge or force us to re-examine our relationships with everything from like government to finance uh, and our own social structures uh, uh, because people are spending a lot of time in the metaverse and uh uh, how does all uh, will, will play together?
1: So in terms of social structures, I think that this already started to unveil a little bit, little bit. So people will eventually learn that they can socialize in the same way in virtual world, almost in the same way in the virtual world they were used to socialize in the physical one. And uh, I think right now it's hard to imagine because we just don't have that tech at everybody's hands, like we have the phones, for example. But uh, I, for example, can imagine in the future having the whole haptic suit uh, or armor on my body and uh, being able to, I don't know, like uh, play games with my friends uh, in the metaverse with the VR headset and just experiencing all the all the hits into the armor or handshakes and stuff like that in like almost as in real life, you know? and. There's already the tech available today to do that. It's just not as widespread because it's just uh, whether it's too expensive to many people and it's just not uh, super easy to use. And when it comes down to the finance, people, I think that uh, nowadays we all see what the inflation does. And uh, when it comes down to the metaverse, uh, maybe that's not the answer to our economical problems, but uh, it will certainly be another layer to uh, what people can do with their money, and how they can maybe invest their money, how can they spend their money, Uh, in terms of shopping experiences, we've talked about it uh, also yesterday, that uh, when you're shopping these days, for example, um, you're going very passively on the eShop and you're just browsing through the products, then maybe you read some reviews and then you purchase the product, while in the metaverse, you will be able to directly go into the shop, talk to the employees there, and you will be able, thanks to the VR, for example, look at the exact piece of the product or, or I don't know, variables that you want to buy in real life, and you will be able to measure the size, you will be able to look how it looks on you, and stuff like that. So. That's also from the like shopping experience and when it comes down to the government, uh, I think that uh, just the fact that w- the people can prove that the DAO can work in the future will give um, different perspective on how we treat uh, our elections, maybe. That's a super bold statement, I guess. Wow. But... Uh, I would like to see more action-based elections rather than just elections based on selecting the people who are not defined to solve the problems. So maybe Metaverse will will serve as an inspiration to us in some ways that, hey, things can be actually done in different way than we are doing them right now.
0: Oh, that's uh, a bright future ahead of us. Oh, Hopefully. Uh, uh, Martin, uh, thank you so much to uh, for, for hopping on the, uh, the podcast. I very much enjoyed the conversation and uh, I'll be looking forward to chatting again soon with uh, all things Metaverse.
1: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here and uh, see you soon.
0: Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you actually did. Make sure to follow us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. That's it for now. Till next time on The Next Level Show.